Do you like Disney? Uh, well, that's for this episode to decide, I guess. Do you like Diz Nuts? Um, I haven't tried them, so <laughs> how would I know? Okay, yeah, that was the best I had. Everybody can go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can go check the thread on the on the Discord to see what we thought of all the Disney movies that we're going to talk about for the next two hours. Yay! But there's a billion. Also, of them. I saw the new Marvel show. It was okay. That's all there is to say about it. I guess I don't know. Wait, say that again. Uh, say again that Marvel's Echo was just okay. Yeah, I I just wanted there to be an Echo. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was. Uh, it was a character, and also uh, the echoing of generations of Native American spirits that she can now see because magic, I guess. I mean, it's it's a serious, gritty drama in the vein of, like, Daredevil and the Netflix shows, except there's also just magic, I guess, and then the, the big final fight is she uses her magic to touch Kingpin on the head and heal his traumatic past like what uh, okay. that's not how that works <laughs> well it is in this show native american this magic heals kingpin's trauma because they weren't allowed to kick his ass because they're saving that for the daredevil show so she had to have that's some stupid. kind of climactic face-off with kingpin and so she heals his trauma and uh and then there's a mid-credits scene where it's just him on a plane and there's a news reporter talking about the mayoral election in New York and just really hammering it in like people want a, a bare knuckle brawler to be their mayor and you know just, just like saying it's obviously they're doing kingpin for mayor they're, they're doing that story um but they just don't do not trust you to get that that's what's happening so yeah you know that, that sounds really dumb. I'm never going to watch this show I wasn't going to watch anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of cool that it, it was like six episodes and they all dropped in on the same day because it was like a co-release between Hulu and Disney+. Plus. So all the episodes were there and I could just watch all of them at once and then forget about the show, which, you know, happens with most of these Disney Plus shows anyway. Yeah, what the fuck is WandaVision? Mm. I mean, WandaVision and Loki were the only two that they've seen worthwhile to put on Blu-ray so far. I'm hoping Moon Knight gets Blu-ray. Really? But they after didn't even do well, that for uh, Bird and the Cold Boy. Uh, so the for years they didn't put anything on physical media, but just this last fall they you know started to dip in with um releasing steelbook blu-ray editions of disney plus shows so they did wandavision loki season one and the first two seasons of mandalorian and there's rumors that later this year um mandalorian season three and andor are gonna get blu-ray steelbooks um i haven't heard anything about other marvel shows uh i mean i i want to see moon knight get a physical you know release but otherwise i mean i i guess maybe loki season two i don't know like i don't care about falcon and the cold boy i don't care about um 
She-Hulk or Ms. Marvel. I mean, Ms. Marvel, it's probably important enough that it needs one because it introduces the character, but otherwise, the, the show was just kind of a mess. Um, God, well, Secret Invasion, that show was just shit. Um, yeah, I don't the know. Show everybody the, the, the Marvel Disney Plus shows have not been great on the whole. The they Star Wars shows release. also have been more of a mixed bag, but I I honestly would be more inclined to buy. Like, Mando Season 3 was not that good, but I'd still buy it. Uh, same for, like, Ahsoka. It wasn't very good, but I'd probably buy it. Um, Obi-Wan I was like okay. I would, I would probably buy it. of Mandalorian 3. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, I like the characters in it enough, so... See, like, for me, for The Mandalorian, like, once once it got beyond the point where, where Mandalorian was meeting other important characters, I was out. Mm. Actually, that reminds me. The, I knew there was one I was forgetting. Mando Season 3, Andor, and Book of Boba Fett are the ones that supposedly are going to get Blu-rays this year. Really? Yeah. Boba Fett? Apparently. <laughs> That's, you know, that one, that one, I mean, it had two good episodes of Mandalorian in the middle of it. You know, that's probably why, now probably. that I think about it. Yeah, <laughs> but even, you know, I, like, I, I don't remember if I talked about it on here. I rewatched because of the Blu-ray physical editions, season one and two of Mandalorian. And when I got to the end of season two, the only thing I think was Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian season three were a mistake. Because season two just has such a good ending to it. And they, you know, in the name of status quo, fuck the whole thing up immediately. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I've beat this drum enough times before, but like I'm to the point where it's just I don't care about Star Wars or Marvel right now. Yeah. Until they start releasing things worth caring about again. And then I might yeah. not even watch them for a year. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm in the minority now of generally enjoying Marvel things, uh, even though there isn't as much of an impetus that, like, you need to watch all of it. Um, you know, all, all the post credit stingers have been teasing something that's so far off that it hasn't even been announced. So there's yeah no real impulse to uh, see the next thing aside from you know it'll probably I mean the shows have been very mixed I've generally liked the movies aside from Eternals but yeah and then Star Wars has just uh, you know felt ever since Disney bought it really they they've been trying to figure out what to do with it and they hit gold briefly with Mandalorian. And then didn't know how to continue that either. But and then they introduced it to the greater Star Wars universe, and it is not special anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and the greater universe, because they rebooted the whole thing, has has just been like, okay, so why why should I care? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny how much a bad trilogy will. Damage your ability to tell stories in that type of universe. Because yeah. nobody wants to fudge it, fucking touch the sequels. Yeah. No, there's just... 
so much world building they have to redo because they they, they just dumb down the universe so much. And like a, apparently that Ray movie or show I don't remember that they were doing is on indefinite hiatus. Uh, it, they they've said it's still happening. People thought maybe it was indefinite because um, the Mandalorian Grogu movie got pushed up to be the first one. Um, I mean, I, as far as any of the movies go, I'll believe it when they have a trailer at least. Because they they've been you know throwing out movies i movie ideas yeah. since even before Rise of Skywalker came out they've been saying oh yeah we're working on this and this and this and then they never happen so I'll believe it when it actually happens but yeah I'm that I'm that way with Star Wars games too like after all the canceled ones yeah that look promising it's it's when 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 you put a release date on it I'll think about it yeah. Yeah, no, it's and, and even then, you know, there's like the Ubisoft one that's apparently coming soonish, but it's just uh, yeah, it's it's like a Han Solo game except you're not Han Solo, you're a different smuggler. But it, I, whatever, I don't know. But also that I mean, I'm I'm kind of at the point I haven't kept up with buying new hardware because I just don't want to, um, and now I feel like I'm really falling behind on games you know aside from nintendo because I, I still have a switch and they haven't put out the next switch yet um but like everybody i i wish i could mute baldur's gate 3 everywhere just because i'm so tired of hearing about it like i it, um it sounds great but i don't have hardware that will play it and i don't know when i ever will so everybody's just talking about how much they want to fuck carlac and i'm like okay cool I I have never played this game. I don't know when I will. So I yeah, know. Baldur's Gate three for me has become like Undertale, where like it's so big that I don't even want to play it. Mm. You know, like that. Like I don't even think it's me necessarily being a contrarian. It's just like, okay, this is hyped up too much. There's no way I'm gonna like it. <laughs> you, yeah. You know? I mean, I I would play it if I had hardware, but I don't care enough. You know, the the FOMO is not so much that I'm going to go buy a modern hardware so I can play it. Um, it's FOMO just at the point of, like, this is irritating every time it comes up. Because I'm out of the loop, but also I don't care enough to be in the loop. And that's why we're reviewing a bunch of... Well, I, I guess they're not old <laughs> movies now. We're reviewing new no, old movies. Movies every, that are movie, recently old. Every movie we're watching was made in the last eight years. Yeah. but Or we're, we're know, talking about, I mean... Every minute that has passed is, by definition, old now. I, I mean, technically. Yeah. So yeah, no, we're watching new old stuff. Um, yeah. Um, let's see, I'm just checking my notes. Okay, the only other thing I did aside of note, aside from this Disney stuff and also all the magic decks that I built on my vacation last week, uh, is I played Amanda the Adventurer, a game that the Game Grumps Ooh. have finished playing through. At the time, they had done like two of the episodes, and I thought that looks fun. Oh, it's on Switch. I will buy it and play it. So I played through the whole thing before I saw them get the 
the final endings of it. It's a neat little uh, creepypasta sort of puzzle yeah. game where you're in an attic and there's these videotapes of like a crappy 3D children's show of Amanda, who's this little girl, and she's got a sheep named Wooly, a talking sheep. And they just do like children's show stuff, but then it gets weird and creepy, and um, and you're like finding videotapes and solving puzzles in the room, and um, yeah, it was a it was a neat little game. I you know didn't really have to Google how to solve the puzzles until like one of the last puzzles. I just couldn't figure it out, and I had to look that one up. The weird one with one of the plants. Uh, no, I think I figured out the plant one on my own just because I saw the, the water drip and I set a plant down and realized, oh, they, they just grow there. And I'd seen all the plant pots and stuff. Um, no, it was, uh, I think it was how to find the code to unlock the wardrobe. I just missed wherever that was. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those where if you look over any detail, you'll be stuck for like an hour. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the like the final revelation is kind of weak. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just a demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, cause, yeah, because I mean, like the the ending you get at first, where you you know you throw the brick in the TV, and then the sun rises finally because it's been raining the whole time. Like that, that was fine. And then after you get all the special tapes and so you get that ending and then you turn and, oh, there's like someone in a trench coat or something. What's this supposed to mean? And it doesn't really mean anything. I guess. I don't know. Maybe it does. And then, yeah, it was, I mean, it was interesting in the Game Grumps, you know, they looked up like the fan explanations of, you know, it, it's a demon and AI and stuff and I, I, I don't know how you were supposed to interpret that from it. It it, it is like yeah, the ending's a little half baked, but yeah. it, it's it, also it's... a budget horror game. You know, yeah, the, it, it was cool. You know, they just couldn't really stick the ending, but the rest of it was it, fun. It's the type of game that had like a a beta version release or like early access, and it it kind of baited all the YouTubers into playing it like. Um, you know, game theory, like, what does this mean? Mm. Um, so I think it was kind of going for viral uh, uh, marketing so they can finish making the game. So that's probably why there's a lot of weird secrets. Mm. Because that's that's what works. <laughs> because If you put a secret in a game, you know, some YouTuber is going to go looking for it. Hmm. Yep. Um, okay, so on to the main topic. Uh, I want to talk about Avatar first, because I, I finished Korra. Oh, yep. Um, and I was kind of negative on the first two seasons, uh, because the second season sucks. Mm. Um, but the third I mean, and fourth... I think the second the... season had one good episode in the mid. Like, I liked the one episode, from what I remember. Yeah. I like the art style of it, but like the lore implications, I don't really enjoy that much. Mm. Um, 
Because like to to me the the interesting thing about Avatar, it's like, oh, this one soul re- gets reincarnated, but like they they're uh, just really in tune with their past lives, um, and that's why they're you know super powerful and awesome. But then it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, that this one soul is connected to a big spirit, um, and that's why they're super powerful. <laughs> And that's less interesting to me. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, the, the art style and like fable like quality of those episodes are really good. Like in a vacuum, I think they're good. I just don't like them in the context of the wider story. Mm. But yeah, the rest of season two does suck though. Like mm. I, I have to say, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's like half a season it, of Civil War and then half a season about fighting the big scary kite. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they, they bring up all these implications of like, oh, the the northern water tribe wants to essentially colonize the southern water tribe. Like, doesn't that suck? And then at the end, it's, it's just uh, we have to bring the spirits into harmony mm. um, and the the whole water tribe invasion thing just kind of disappears, you know, like after, after the big bad guy gets defeated in the Kaiju battle, um, they just go home and all is well. It, it's, I don't know. It's kind of weak. Mm. The third and fourth seasons are good though. The third one was my favorite. Um, with uh, Zaheer. Mm. I don't know how much you remember about the rest of it. I, I, let's see. From Okay, what I remember. Season 3, uh, like, one of the big focuses of the season was, you know, now that the spirits have been brought into the regular realm, how do we get everyone to get along? Because the spirits have all these, like, plants growing everywhere and stuff. Uh, and then there was Zaheer, who was like a guy who was in a prison, and he broke out, and he wants to either kill or depower the Avatar, and he tortures Korra a bunch. Like, she really gets rough treatment through season three and four. Um, and yeah, because like season four uh, starts off, she had... I don't know, either like faked her death or ran away or something and cut her hair and was like a brawler in... And meanwhile, the like the metal tri metal subset of the Earth Nation w- was like staging a coup, I guess, to you know try to take over all the nations or something. And they had like a bunch of robot uh, mech suit things. And um, and then and then yeah, and then Korra realized she was gay at the end. The end. <laughs> You're pretty close. Um, that, that's most of what I, I mean, because I, you know, like I said last time about this show, every season was written not knowing if they were going to get another season, so it all yeah. is a little disjointed. Yeah. The, the third th- season, I think, works the best because it's like they they set up the main villains of here, who's basically like an anarchist. Because uh, um, they... Another weird decision that uh, uh, I don't know. 
It's like the after the end of the second season, what with the whole spirit bomb. Um, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of airbenders just around. They're back. Um, the genocide is fixed. <laughs> we, yeah, we saved the entire culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so there's a whole subset about that. And one of the people who got, like, one of the random people who got airbending is this anarchist, uh, like, essentially terrorist, um, who uses his airbending to break out of prison, break out his friends, and now they're just, like, a small elite terrorist group that want to, like, kill every head of state in the world. Um... And while that's going on, like the main characters are all dealing with airbender stuff. Um, and yeah, at at the end, like there's a there's a big fight. Uh, Zaheer wants to kill Korra while she's in the Avatar state, so the Avatar disappears forever. Um, which, yeah, includes uh, torturing her with magic poison. Uh, Mm. Until she turns. Okay, yeah, because I just remember um, she was like chained up and tortured for a while, and yeah, that yeah, he was trying to kill all the avatars at once or something. Yeah, it's it's established in the last Airbender that if the avatar dies in the avatar state, uh, the avatar is just done forever. Mm. Like if he if they die normally, you know, they just get reincarnated later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they do that. They have a a big ending fight where Cora wins, but she's she's you know basically like the 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 last scene is kind of like Star Wars, where like one of uh, Tenzin uh, Ang's son, uh, the Airbender, um, J.K. Simmons. Mm. Um, like one of his kids is, you know, getting her arrow tattoos because she becomes a master airbender. It's kind of like Star Wars, and Cora's there, like she's just, like she looks broken, like she's in a wheelchair. She's, her eyes are saggy, like, um, and that's how the season ends. Like she's, she's like a broken person. Um, and the fourth season starts with her being rehabilitated. And yeah, there's a, a whole episode dedicated to her. Um, I guess finding herself again. Mm. And, uh, you know, removing the rest of the poison that was somehow still stuck at her. And yeah, and then the rest of the, the rest of the season is about the, the one metal bender who, becomes a fascist dictator and wants to take over the, uh, all the Earth Kingdom. Mm. And she builds a, a giant mech with a spirit cannon. So <laughs> it's it's dumb, but it's not that bad. Mm. Uh, and yeah, they uh, Korra and Asami are gay at the end, but also they don't really build up to it much at all. It's just yeah, no. It's it's like a very last minute thing, so that the censors don't have time to stop it because it 
it never actually really gets into it in the show. Because it just ends with the implication, and then they, you know, continue that in the comic books. Kind of like Zuko's yeah. mom. That whole, you know, missing, unresolved uh, storyline from yeah. The Last Airbender gets resolved in comic books. Yeah, and I mean, I, I say they, they didn't build it up at all. That's not entirely true. Like, there were scenes leading up to it, but they they're all... They're just really good friends, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know. Like obviously, Nickelodeon wasn't having that shit, uh, so they kind of had to hide it. But yeah, it, yeah, that that kind of weakens it. Um, but I, I'm guessing the comics are explicit about it. I I don't know anything about them. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've read like one of them and. I don't remember how much. I mean, it wasn't not a thing, I guess. I know with the whole Zuko's mom thing that they did like multiple series, and it it was just really dragging it out. Like, like there's I think there's one that's just called the search, and the whole thing is them like searching for information on his lost mom, but they don't actually find her by the end of it. It, it so maybe that'll be in the next one. Yeah, they just. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, there was supposed to be a whole fourth season of The Last Airbender about that. But uh, they they ended up not making it for whatever reason. Mm. I mean, because like, when I watched Last Airbender, I didn't feel like there was anything missing, really. It, it felt like it had yeah. the... Between the three seasons, it had the three-act structure. Yeah, I, I think... The only thing that you could have really done was like flesh out some of the Firebender characters who have been relegated to villains. Yeah, well, because um, season three started to do. I mean, when they got to the Fire Nation, you get to see the, um, you know, what things are like there and how these people are just normal people there. Uh, and yeah. then they have the big climactic final fight with Ozai, and uh, and it would it just I think it would feel like a step down to continue yeah. after that it would be a huge step down in stakes <laughs> like hey we're, we have to end this world war um mm -hmm. to hey we got to find this guy's mom yeah um, yeah it, it's just you know like the epilogue of return of the king except you're gonna do a whole yeah. season of it see now if that was like a tv movie that would make more sense yeah um, yeah yeah like, a, like, like yeah, an epilogue movie short, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we've been talking about Avatar for 15 minutes, and I, that's not what I intended. I just wanted to give my quick thoughts. Yeah. Um, okay. Core is good. The second season, it's like it. It still sucks. Like I, I will hear no, <laughs> I will hear no arguments to the contrary. Mm. Um, three and four are pretty great, though. First one, just it's okay. Um, yep, that's it. Crucify me if you want. I deserve it. Um, I I say that I have no idea what popular opinion is on the individual seasons of Gore. Mm. Or uh, so, how many people are even listening to this? Yeah. 
Hello, two people. Yeah, uh, it's too early for them to have fallen asleep, I assume, so they've probably heard your opinion. <laughs> we have to get to light year before that happens. Mm. Yeah, if you need a sleep aid, uh, light year is recommended. <laughs> you know, uh, weirdly enough, light year is like one of the least action-packed movies we're mm. going to talk about. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay, I guess we'll so, start with yeah, Finding Dory. Yeah, because you've got them right now typed out in release order. Um, the only difference with my list, I, I t- typed them out in the order we watched them, and we ended up watching Toy Story 4 before Wreck-It Ralph 2. But it, I guess it doesn't matter what order we talk about them in. Finding Dory was definitely the first one. Though. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I kinda, really weird. I, I kind of categorize it like Monsters University, where it's like an unnecessary continuation, but it did a fine enough job for what it... I mean, I think it has more reason to exist than Monsters University. Yeah. You know, it, in a way, like it is, it's kind of the same premise of Cars 2, where they're like, let's take the comedy side character... And give them some depth. Except unlike Cars 2, they actually do give Dory some depth. Whereas Mater just continued to be a joke <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Like Mater refused to change. Dory actually does have to kind of deal with her surprising trauma of... Uh, it's like, well, yeah, she was just a fish with memory loss. But, you know, it, when we get into her perspective, it's like, yeah, that's uh, that kind of sucks. It's like, you... you know your family's out there but you don't remember where or you know much for details because you don't remember stuff yeah i mean it's the the beginning like really puts a point on it like she's living with a disability that's the that's the implication yeah um and then the the rest of it is just her like apparently meeting people from her past which is kind of interesting um, yeah, just kind of chasing half-remembered, you know, like, as bits of memory come back, she, you know, chases after those to try to, uh, find her parents, who she has lost touch with for un- however many years it's been, and, um, yeah, and that leads to kind of a comedy of errors of just a lot of near misses, mostly between, you know, because like, Dory runs off to find her family, um, and then Marlon and Nemo are along, uh, Nemo gets hurt briefly and Marlon blames Dory and so Dory goes off on her own and then Marlon feels bad. So Marlon and Nemo are trying to find Dory and Dory is trying to find her parents and Dory teams up with this octopus who just wants to get her band thing so that he can use it to go to the, uh, what was it, Cleveland? Uh, yeah, the Cleveland Aquarium. Yeah, he wants to get shipped to a different aquarium, so he's you know an ally, you know, helping her try to get where she's going, so he can get the thing he wants. So it's like they're go- but then she keeps remembering things and going off on different directions, and and then yeah, there's a lot of near misses of like Marlin and Nemo almost catch up to her, but then don't, but they don't realize how close they are. Um, and we do that for an hour and a half until she finally 
stumbles her way into finding her parents again. Yeah, it's it's not structured like a regular movie. It's just kind of a series of gags, basically, with the kind of like a minor plot. <laughs> like she's got a destination, but she this she doesn't really get any closer or farther away. Uh, it at least it doesn't feel like because she doesn't really know where she's going. Mm. Um, but yeah, eventually. Uh, she does. She does find her parents, and it's kind of a, you know, little tear jerking scene. Yeah, I mean that, um, that's you know the Pixar thing, or at least it was yeah. after Toy Story three for a while. It was you have to have the scene where you cry about the dead dad from this dipshit dinosaur <laughs> because we're the <laughs> company that makes movies to make you cry. <laughs> Imagine it. I wonder if anybody actually cried at the good dinosaur. <laughs> I hope not. Like, like I can't imagine that movie like breaking somebody. Mm. Um, God, I want I want to hear somebody's opinion who lo- who likes that movie. Because mm. um, holy shit. Um, it, anyway, uh, yeah, Finding Dory's all right. Like I, I don't feel the need to watch it again. But if somebody put it on, I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. Like it's like yeah, it's that kind it's of one movie. that like it's good for what it is. I keep forgetting it exists. Yeah, it's it's the type of thing that feels like a DVD extra. Yeah. Um, like a you know, like it it should have been a fifteen minute DVD extra on the first movie or something. If it had come out, I mean, I guess the production values make it better than a straight-to-DVD movie, but it feels like, oh, yeah. it, you know, stakes-wise, feels more like a straight-to-DVD type of story yeah. than uh, a theatrical production. Um, speaking of Cars 2, mm. um, add one to it, and you get Cars 3. Yep. And there's at least three Cars Which... in it. It's it's my favorite Cars movie. Okay. Uh, it's the which it is the old man much. lightning like, story. I, I, yeah. Like that's not saying much. Like the I like the first one, but it's not. I don't think it's anything like special or great. I really like Cars three. Just hmm. the it, it's it's kind of like the ending of the first Cars movie, right? Like where he he gives up winning the race to. Uh, Help the the wrecked car at the end, um, and I guess you could say it's kind of a repeat of that in the third one, where like he he gives up racing entirely to be a coach. Mm. But I I think the way they build it up is uh, is better over the course of the movie. Mm. I mean, yeah, the the stuff about like the the new racers and everything is just like whatever they're they're just there to be an antagonist like they're not actual characters so that's kind of annoying there's no bruce campbell so you know after he was in cars 2 and for about five minutes before he died but that's still a point against it but you know you, you can't you can't give it to us and then take it away hmm 
Uh, Mater was barely in it, so that's a plus. Yep. I guess uh, it's weird to talk about fleshing out the Cars universe, but they kind of do that with the whole um, uh, the demolition derby thing that they go to. Yeah, yeah. Wait, it's 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 weird, right? Because like, is that what's what's the human equivalent of that? Uh, (laughs) pretty violent wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I yeah, because I don't know what it takes to... Well, I guess we saw in Cars 2 what it takes to kill a car. You have to, like, explode them. Um, but, no, nah, because it seems like they just... I guess their organs are, like, the, the engine parts, right? Yeah, it's like, like they're not I, I guess... necessarily at risk of dying so much as being, like, very injured. Yeah. Which I guess... Like, I, I guess... Have. I guess, like, they're actually, like, their body and their uh, their tires are like not technically part of them. Mm. Uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Because they've changed tires before. I don't know where. Where does the soul of a car sit? Is it in the engine? You would you would think so, but that that's also weird because like their eyes are the windshield. Yeah. So. Yeah, and these windshields um, and are indestructible in the, the Cars car. universe. Like, you <laughs> never see a crack in the windshield of the Cars cars. Right. The Cars cars cars. Yeah, see, like, this is getting into the Toy Story territory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we, yeah, we can talk about kidding. unnecessary, you know, world-building <laughs> shit when we get to Toy Story 4. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, that, that this is the kind of rabbit hole that is funny on the internet, but movies should not get into it. I don't want to see a Cars movie where they actually dig into which part of a car is it that's necessary for that car to live. Right. <laughs> they're, they're cartoon talking cars, and they're used to, you know, kind of metaphorically do like a sports movie. You know, like, like the first one was like a, a sports movie about a guy who's too full of himself having to learn some humility and uh, like accept some like teaching and wisdom before going into his, you know, big competition. Um, the second one was, you know, just a Bond movie parody. And, um, and then the third one is the retiring athlete story, you know, having to deal with like accepting... The, yeah, maybe he is too old for this, and also, it, it's not a bad thing for him to let the younger generation step up and, you know, step back into the mentor role that he had when he was, you know, in his first movie. The the rules of that race still. Oh yeah. I know because it's yeah no you you like, cannot okay, swap so... your car in the middle of an endurance race. So, so yeah, it's basically just a relay at that point. Like, yeah, that that's not that's not how that should work. Yeah, uh, there's nothing in the rules that says you can't do it. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> I I actually took that line out of uh, when I was with my sisters uh, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love. We were just like playing cards or something, and we were laughing. And I, I love, 
I don't know what led into it, but I was like, there's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball. Yeah. Um, and it was a it was a major hit. Yeah. <laughs> we all almost died because we watched that movie a lot as kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a meme at this point. Anytime yeah. there's just a, a bizarre ruling on something, you can just say, well, there's nothing in the rules, so you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing in the rules specifically. That says, uh, I can't shoot my opponent in the face with a crossbow. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we're playing cards. Well, there's nothing in the rules that says that I can't take your cards and eat them. (laughs) I'm going to turn these into poopy. (laughs) The rules say nothing about what happens if your opponent eats your cards. So, uh, (laughs) I guess that means I win. Uh, Yeah. You're just a thimble. You can't. You can't do free parking. You can't park a thimble. Mm. Anyway, cars are good. Yeah. Um. What was next? Incredibles two. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's Incredibles what? one, but worse. Yeah. It's it's just really boring. There. There's no. There. There's nothing interesting happening. I was, I mean, I I, we joked about Lightyear being the movie where you fall asleep. I was literally falling asleep during Incredibles 2. Yeah. It doesn't help that it's fucking long. Yeah. It's, um, it's like two it's hours two trying hours to be long. serious superhero drama, but also, I mean, Incredibles has had, like, th- there was kind of an issue in the first one that you could kind of, you could ignore it because the characters were good and the, like, interpersonal drama was good. Of the, um, kind of randian libertarianism of you know j- just this whole the, the like like the premise uh it, it's a very cynical take on superheroes to have your world be one where it's like um they, they can't be super because all the unsuper people won't let them it's like that they regulate yeah. them out of existence and if they would just let them all be free to do whatever the fuck they want then the world would be better, wouldn't it? Because, you know, they're, they're the super-powered ones. They should be able to do whatever they want. Um, and they just have this, like, constant like chip on their shoulder about being told no. Like, no, your powers are dangerous, and maybe you can't do whatever you want all the time. Um, and Wait, here, it here's becomes, the difference, is that... Uh, you, you can, like, ignore it in the first one because... The characters are so good, and like the the heart of what it is, it's like a midlife crisis story. Um, so it's not really about the politics in the way that the second one is like very much about the politics, and it doesn't work in in that sense. Yeah, and uh, here's here's the difference between The Incredibles and like any actual Rand work is that um, The Incredibles are still the good guys, mm. <laughs> but they actually use. They're great power for good, mm. uh, which which would be yeah. I guess Rand's yeah. stuff tends to be more amoral. Of like, you're supposed to accept it's, that the person doing whatever they want is good yeah. because they are. It's 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 closer to like if you have the power, you have the power. Fuck everything else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There is no so. good or evil. It's just you do stuff because you can. People are selfish. Deal with it. That's basically that. That's the yeah premise boiled down. 
uh, or the ideology. Anyway, we're we're kind of off in the weeds. Incredibles yeah, but that sucks. Yeah, because Incredibles two like really gets into because you know they they have the whole thing of like, like well even though you know they they all got back in the superhero saddle by the end of the first one we have to do another movie and we're gonna do it about the same damn premise. So it's like yep you know, they fought the Underminer but there was too much collateral damage and now. They're being told you can't be super anymore, and they're mad about it. But then there's this one rich guy who's like, "I want to reform superheroes' image because my parents loved superheroes, even though it kind of got them killed." Um, and his sister is mad about that, so she's trying to undermine the whole thing uh, by making the superheroes. And she's the underminer. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I. I hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wonder if that was intentional. Because like, the, the first movie ends off on John Ratzenberger's voice cameo character, this like campy mole man called the Underminer who drives a big drill, and he like crashes up into the city, and they all have to hero up and go fight him. And it's you know just like a fun end stinger thing, but the they, you know... Because they wanted this to be a direct sequel, even though it came out, what, like, I'd say this was 2018 or 19? Yeah, so it's 14 like, years. Yeah. Yeah, like 14 years later, and we're picking up immediately where the previous one left off, which feels really weird. Um, but yeah, so they're like, they, they started it off with Underminer, and then it be, kind of becomes about someone undermining them. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it it's long and it's boring and it tries to be political but it it's just messy yeah like i don't i don't mind you know finding dory or cars 3 or even cars 2 existing mm. incredibles 2 should not exist at least not in the form it is yeah no there should have either like you know jump farther in time and actually like, advance the characters instead of them just rehashing their own like, this, the baggage that they had from the first movie they're kind of just going over that again they, yeah. they flipped the story so now it's Mrs. Incredible is the one who's being like officially pulled into the superhero life and her family has to stay behind and so Mr. Incredible is now struggling with being a stay at home dad um, which gets a lot of screen time for what is basically, you know, just like the gag side plot. Because um, it's mostly about Mrs. Incredible doing superhero stuff. Um, and, and then this whole political conspiracy bullshit. Yeah. Um, this is one of many of these sequel movies that it feels like nobody who made it actually wanted to make it. Mm. <laughs> it also made the most money out of all of them, I think. Yeah, because uh, the world sucks and children are dumb. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone was really high on the superhero train in 2018. You know, because of Avengers and stuff. Infinity yeah, War came out the same They hit it pretty much right at the peak, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Put out a, a big superhero thing at the time when superheroes are big, but you can take the kids to see this one because it doesn't involve Spider-Man getting turned to dust. Yeah. Man, wasn't 2018, 2019 just good in terms of media? <laughs> like, relatively? Me, um, I'd have to remember what else come, came out aside from the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Into the Spider-Verse, but Across the Spider-Verse is also very good, and that came out last year, so... Yeah, I mean, 2023 had a lot of good shit, because it was all just kind of... All all these projects, you know, because, like, the pandemic, just kind of pushed them all, and and then they all just came out at once early 2023, and and now... Maybe early 2025 will be also really good because, you know, the the strikes have kind of pushed everything off. So it's probably all going to come flying out at once again. I I think I might also just be in my feelings that Ace Combat 7 is five years old. Mm. (laughs) Which, uh, oh boy, that one hurt. hurt. Mm. (laughs) Like, that that hurt more than Ace Combat 4 being 20 years old somehow. Mm. Um, Because it's like, Man, I was an adult when that came out. Like, I was well into adulthood when that came out. That was five years ago. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that one... Oof. Yeah. Like, we talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, most uh, of these movies... Let's see, because I know Incredibles 2 I've talked about on this show. Probably Coco I talked about when it came out on this show. Like, definitely all of the... Uh, as far I think Zootopia was, like, one of the first ones. Zootopia and Moana. I remember talking about on the old forums when... Because it was 2016 that those started up. So, we're in the era of things that I've already talked about in this fandom before, and we're just talking about them again and reevaluating them. Yeah, we're... We're in the Shaq era now. Yeah. Like, the... The CK, not Q. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're in the Shaquille O'Neal but Papa John's era. <laughs> the Papa Shaq's era. <laughs> the Papa Shaq. Papa Shaq is our new our new gag character. Yeah, like, like we'll we'll make our, him our legally distinct. Patron Saint Papa Shaq with his <laughs> basketball pizzas. Okay. Oh. Uh, who are we commissioning art from for Papa Shack? Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, if you want to pay Squid Cap or Cosmignon, uh, I know they're taking commissions. I'm I'm picturing like a, a stained glass um, image of Jesus, except it's Shack, and he's got like a Shaq. Papa John's uh, yeah, he, visor on. He's got a halo that's a pizza, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he's holding up you know the two finger salute thing, but he's also spinning a basketball on those fingers. <laughs> oh man well there goes some money mm. because that, that I'm I'm gonna do that I don't know to who but I'm gonna do that I, I mean I'd start with Squid Cap um, she'll probably do it yeah um, we, we'll have to clip this uh, two minutes because we can't expect her to listen to the whole Mm. <laughs> piece of shit podcast. <laughs> uh, here's here's some money. Listen to this. Oh, mm. uh, 
we we should just start paying people to listen to this podcast. Mm. Uh, anyway. Um, um, okay, Wreck-It Ralph 2 is next. We saw Toy Story 4 first, but Wreck-It Ralph 2 is next on the list, so. Okay. I, I don't have much to say about Wreck-It Ralph 2. Mm. Ralph breaks the internet. Yep. It's Boomer it's jokes about internet good. and also insecurity. Yeah, that was... I I knew, like the first time, like they they used the word insecurity. I was like, oh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a like an antivirus pun, huh? Mm. Um, and then yeah, that that is basically what it is by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that, and it's you know the 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 place they decided to take Ralph's arc is that he's become really clingy in his friendship with Vanellope. Um, and she's got other stuff she wants to do, and he is having trouble accepting that. Yeah, and every side character from the first movie gets about a minute and a half of screen time. They don't matter. Mm. They don't do anything. Yeah, mostly they're they're traveling through the internet and doing a bunch of puns and you know jokes and stuff. They're trying to get a new steering wheel for the arcade game that got busted because Ralph thought it would be a good idea to go fuck up the game during arcade hours, I guess. Like that, uh, you know, what what was going on in Ralph's game when he was off in Sugar Rush, you know, making a new uh, racing course while the arcade was open? Like that, because in the first game he wandered out of his game, and their game almost got shut down. Yeah, and like he now they just wandered out of his game again. And if nobody okay cares, this is yeah. this is another one of those ones where like nobody who made it felt like making it. Yeah. It's what it seemed. It's what it feels like. Um, yeah, yeah. The the best part of it is the the weird um, twisted metal GTA game Slaughter that race. they find themselves in. Yeah, mm. which is fun because it's extremely violent. Mm. Um, or you know, it's the the very safe version of extremely violent. Yeah, like they they can't actually, <laughs> you know, nobody's actually getting shot or run over, yeah, um, or or even blowing up. Um, and then they go to a Disney website and find uh, all all God. the properties that Disney owns, including all the princesses, uh, except for the ones who aren't part of the princess toy line. And uh, they're all hanging out, and they have a pajama party, and uh, convince Vanellope, who's technically a Disney princess too, to sing a princess song about what she wants, which is to be in Slaughter Race. See, and what I hate about that scene is that they they didn't want to make fun of the characters enough to make that scene funny. Mm. Um. But it also it seemed like the writers wanted to, so there's like a few like like little jokes at Disney's expense, but not you know you can't hurt the brand. Mm. The brand is everything. 
So like, there's no like actual digs in there. So like, it it just it, it was just painful. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they're mostly making fun of you know some of, like the tropey elements of uh, yeah the princess stories. Disney contemplating Disney never goes well. Mm. And I will I will stand by that. But yeah, it, it's. It's kind of like Incredibles 2. Not quite as bad, I wouldn't say. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe just as bad. Mm. I like the Slaughter Race song that Vanellope sings. Just because it, it's a princess song written around the word slaughter. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's funny to me. Mm. It might only be funny to me. But yeah, I like that. Um, and the rest of the movie can go fuck itself. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Frozen 2. Did we skip Coco? Or... Oh, did we? Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, I saw Incredibles. The title is so short. I forgot. It's only... Well, okay. So Coco. We, yeah, we missed Coco. Yeah. It's the the first movie where the villain is family drama. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, it, it did have a villain. There's the guy who poisoned the great grandfather. Yeah, I guess, but he's not. He, he's kind of briefly he's, in there, but you know that they have like a whole uh, yeah face I mean, off I, with him at the end. I I guess he's more he's like more in the vein of like the twist villain. Mm. Um. Of like, you know, Zootopia and Big Hero 6, where, they, surprise, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they get to be the villain for 15 minutes, and then they die, or yeah. whatever. He gets socially rejected. Um, and that yeah. could be terrible if his entire... I mean, although I don't know how it really affects... Because, you know, the whole conceit is that all these skeletons um, live in a skeleton land because they are remembered by people every um, day of the dead. Usually they're family members, but in his case it might just be because he's a celebrity that people, you know, do their remembrance tribute things to him. Um, and I don't know how people in outside a skeleton world would know that he's he murdered his music partner um but i guess people in skeleton world don't like him because they now know that he's a murderer yeah but like just staying around the only thing is that somebody remembers you and puts your picture like up in a a public or a group viewing place yeah um so i mean like he's not going to disappear yeah, but yeah, I guess it just his comeuppance is that life in the afterlife kind of sucks for him now that uh, everyone knows yeah. how shitty he was. Yeah, so he won't he won't be a celebrity. Yeah, in the dead world anymore. He's a canceled celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm so glad that Disney didn't actually. 
See, like, if that happened in Strange World, there would have been a whole thing about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, like, yeah, he he is the villain, um, like the, the mariachi singer, basically. Um, but, like, the, the family drama is the... the it's the crux of the, the, the story um, with the, the kid going through the land of the dead mm. and, you know, <clears throat> his family's hunting him down because they, they need to give him, get him to uh, the living world before he turns into a skeleton, AKA dies. Yeah. Um, and he teams up with a, a random bum uh, who turns out to be his actual, grandpa or great grandpa um who he thinks the the famous singer is mm. or i guess great great because he his he has his overbearing he's got his parents who are fine he's got his overbearing grandmother who hates all music uh and then there's great grandma coco who's becoming senile and yeah then it is there's, great great grandpa You're yeah right. and then yeah then there's the the dead guy and uh the his wife who is you know the the main one trying to track him down to get him home safely and also to you know get him to fix the portrait that he accidentally broke yeah yeah i Which, i really like the first the time end. i watched it there was you know i it's a little petty but the the technology is a little confusing in that uh, like the great great grandfather, you know. H- however many you know th- that that many generations would be what like eighty years minimum ish, maybe ninety. I don't know, like hundred. Um, yeah. But he was like recorded on like black and white television, which wasn't the thing until the fifties, maybe forties. Uh, I don't know. The, the timeline feels weird, but I guess it's a fantasy story, so it doesn't really matter. Let's see. I, I, I mean, we don't, we don't... It's a thing best not to think about because it doesn't line yeah. up unless everybody's just really poor here. And so their technology never really advanced yeah. that much past black and white TVs. Yeah, it's kind of ambiguous. Um... Yeah, like the the scene at the end, like yeah, you could say it's just like a, a typical uh you know, Pixar tearjerker, but I thought it was really sweet. When uh <clears throat> he he sings the, the song mm. uh for because it his his family his whole family hates music. Mm. Um like they they don't allow music yeah, all from a misunderstanding and uh, an overbearing matriarch who, you know, probably perpetuated that misunderstanding. Yeah. Because um, uh, the the whole thing is that the, the great-grandpa, you know, left to be a famous musician, left, left the family, and died before he could come back. Yeah. So his wife... Uh, banned the whole family from ever enjoying music again. Yeah, she she started um, the shoe company. Uh, 
forbid all music. Her daughter Coco seemingly still at least liked her father's songs because she has fond memories of those. Um, but Coco's daughter, the grandma in the present, uh, has been thoroughly, um, you know, bought in on uh, this hatred of music to the point that she'll like, scream at mariachi bands just for walking by the house. Um, yeah. But then, um, ah, shit, what's the kid's name? Our main character. Uh, Miguel. I don't remember. Um, I, it's Mig- I was thinking Miguel, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, Miguel, our main character, uh, secretly plays guitar and watches videos, or uh, I guess videos, um, black and white videos, of um, this famous musician guy who he starts to suspect is his uh, ancestor because he, the guitar that he has, he, he sees it in a photo and realizes, oh, it's the same guitar. Um, not realizing that the, you know, we, we've already talked about the, the skeleton who he runs into is the partner of this famous guy and the guy who actually wrote the songs, including the song that he wrote for his daughter Coco and, uh, that she remembers fondly, even though the rest of the family has been taught to reject all music because it's associated with the time that one guy, you know, their ancestor, ran off to go play music and then died and didn't come back. Which they thought was a selfish decision on his part, but, you know, the twist reveal is, no, he was murdered. Yeah. Poisoned by a big famous skeleton. Yeah. He wasn't a skeleton at the time. Well, he technically was a skeleton at the time. He was a skeleton wrapped in, yeah, wrapped in meat. Um... Who went on to then become a famous musician until a bell fell on his head and killed him. <laughs> Which, you know, at the beginning of the movie when they say that, they're like, oh, that's that's sad and dark, but at the end of the movie, it's funny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the it's setup for the bit. punchline of he gets a bell yeah. dropped on him after uh, you know everyone finds out that he's a murderer. Yeah. After he gets uh, attacked by a flying jaguar rainbow monster. Yep. Yep. The, in the real world is just a regular house cat because pets can travel back and forth between the afterlife. Yeah. They're familiar familiars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right, but I hope you got it. Mm. Uh, they're familial familiars, yeah. is uh, what I said, in case anybody didn't get that. Yeah, I wasn't uh, sure if you said familial or just familia as in the Spanish word for family. That would have been better, fuck. Uh, <laughs> that's what I said. Mm. Uh, it's all the same Latin in a bad Spanish anyway. accent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still I've been it. doing Duolingo for like six years now, and lately it's just been refreshing my Spanish, and it's been funny because the like the lesson from this morning, they wanted me to fill in the Spanish word for total or uh, total total, um, and it, it it's it's the same word as total, you know it's total in Spanish it's total or total in English total in Spanish, but it's spelled the same way. 
So it's like they just leave this blank here. It's like, what, what's this word? Can you guess? And then is it, is it the same word? Yes, it is. Okay. I prefer special K. Mm. That's not <laughs> Spanish, though. That would be like <laughs> K especial. <laughs> because adjectives come after. That's a, and also it's a special instead of special. That's a serial joke for anybody who doesn't know. Mm. Um, yeah, anyone who doesn't have uh, those boring brands of uh, flaky cereal. Do, do they even make do they even make total cereal? I don't even know. I have not really looked around the cereal aisle lately, so I don't, I don't even know remember. if they still make special K. <laughs> they probably have at least one of them. I mean, you got to have some healthy, boring cereal. That's just a bunch of well, flakes. That's what cornflakes are for. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what Total and Special K are. They're just flakes. That's you got to have cornflakes so you don't masturbate everywhere. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate on that one. So if you don't know that story, just look it up. Mm. Uh. Anyway, Cocoa is really good. I really, I really loved it. Yep. Um, I like the way it looks. I like, I like the kid and his love of music. Um, the the music scenes in the movie they're pretty short, but they're they're very good. Um, and this movie was kind of in the middle of a lot of, you know, okay to bad things. Mm. So it, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this period of the movies we're watching, it's not as like egregiously bad as like the the, the straight to video early stuff 2000s. that they did. Yeah, like the straight, like the mid two thousands and all the straight to video crap. Um, it's just like big budget mediocre stuff that they were doing. Yeah. late twenty tens. Which is arguably worse mm. in some ways. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of expect um, more with the the budget they had on these things. Yeah, and I mean, most of them look really good. Yeah, I mean, I guess because of um, the budget, they are like just really playing it safe with them. Yeah. Not taking any crazy chances on... You know, like, because, you know, most of them are sequels. It's a known property, known popular characters, and uh, stories with them that don't really break a lot of new ground. They're just, like, okay at best. Um, except Coco. Oh, are, we, are we talking about Frozen 2 already? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we're talking about Incredibles 2, we're talking about Ralph 2, we're talking about Frozen 2. Yeah. We're talking about Toy Story yeah. 4. Like Toy Story Four, at least went in a kind of weird direction. Mm. Uh, even if I don't like the direction, mm. like that one. Should we talk that about one, that one I first and then still, Frozen Two? Ah, sure. We're already we're already in it. Yeah. Like like Toy Story Four. Um, like it's still just an okay movie, mm. but it, it's not. It's not in the same way that the the past three are where. You know, it's just kind of boring. Um, it's interesting in how much I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I'd <laughs> forgotten a lot of it from what, you know, like I remembered that it's like, okay, so Woody uh, ends up joining, like, it. She he, he finds Bo 
uh, had, like Bo Peep has been like she she was given away. There's like a flashback scene at the start, and um, she's been living in like a, a playground that's part of like a, a fairground where you know there is currently a, a big like carnival fair set up um and there, yeah, there's like an antique it's like store. a small town yeah there's like an antique store and there's this fairground and there's a playground there and she and a bunch of toys have been living yeah. in this playground and i remembered that by the end woody ends up joining them and that along the way the toys just horribly gaslight the dad um and try to get him arrested because they're stalling for time um but i'd forgotten the re- like the the plushie like the bunny and chicken plushie are hilarious yeah they are they're they're just Good. these side characters i'm sure they're key and peel yeah yeah i knew it was like some famous comedy duo played them and they like they are great and then the rest of it was just okay you know like yeah. they, they they have completely like Toy Story three, they'd already run out of things for Buzz to do, and Toy Story four, they just really ran out of things for Buzz to do. So he's just yeah. his his whole thing is like I need it's, to follow my inner voice, push button, get quote, try to interpret that yeah. quote into some kind of life guidance wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I, which fucking came out of nowhere. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, Buzz, like, in Toy Story 3 already, like, his, he technically wasn't in half the movie because he was rewritten as his Spanish language uh Yeah, I mean, Toy Story 1 version. was his entire character arc. Toy Story 2 was him becoming the, uh, you know, like, accepting his role among the toys and having, like, sort of a leadership protector role of them where, you know, Toy Story 2 was now Woody was being presented with like would you rather continue to be a toy and have that personal connection or would you like to be a collector piece and become a part of history um and that was like his conflict of that movie and then toy story 3 is now having to deal with this kid who he chose to stay with has now grown up and moved on um and how do how does he cope with that and now Toy Story 4 is, he, he was given to a new kid, and but she doesn't really care that much about him, so, you know, what's his role now? And yeah. he's, like, trying to be, like, the one shepherding in this this new Forky, who I completely forgot about, and he is so, so much of this movie is this stupid fork. Um, spork. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he's, you know... And, and this is where we, we mentioned earlier, like, the existential questions that they should not address. Um, Toy Story right. 4, like, a big part of the premise is that Bonnie has made, uh, she has created a toy from a fork and some googly eyes and, like, a... A spork. Yeah, a spork. Yeah, a spork with some googly eyes and some <laughs> little, um, like, uh, what's it? Pipe Popsicle cleaner. fleet. Yeah, a pipe pipe cleaner uh, arms and like she has breathed life into this toy but the toy because he is made from trash believes he is trash and wants to throw himself in the trash and randy newman has a song about how we're not gonna let you throw yourself away forky the spark um because uh you're not trash you're a toy now and that means you're loved it- and you need to 
Yeah, it's... he's literally a Rick and Morty character. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he exists to, to not exist. Yeah, it, it's it's weird, and if you think about it too much, it's actually very dark. Yeah, it's like the all, all the existential shit about Toy Story. Sh- the movies really shouldn't be tackling those questions. That's the kind of stuff for internet fan theories to come up with, but they do tackle it in Toy Story Four, like. What if uh, a bunch of junk was, uh, you know, became a toy? How would it feel about that? And yeah, it's just it's weird. And and yeah, and, and by the end, Woody ends up accepting that, you know, he he can move on from being one kid's possession and uh, you know go off and just continue to be elsewhere. Yeah. And also, there's a villain, not villain. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is a doll in the antique shop who, yeah, who needs a new voice box. And I guess Woody having a voice box means he has whatever gear or something that she needs. Because she doesn't take, like, his full voice box. Uh, you know, she, she doesn't start spouting cowboy phrases when uh, they have, like, the swap surgery. Uh, so it's just some component I, I of his guess, voice box, I guess, is needed to fix hers. Yeah. Yeah, the, I guess the implication is that they just replace some parts, but like, that, it doesn't seem like it would work, but I guess it, it does. It's yeah. Movie, whatever. Yeah, I know. She, she believes that the reason that uh, the, the kid at this store doesn't want to play with her is because she doesn't have her voice. So, uh, yeah, eventually Woody is persuaded to give her the parts to the voice box um and she gets it and immediately gets just dumped <laughs> and uh and and then you know <laughs> woody and Bo find another kid to hook her up with uh, see like i didn't even feel bad for it. at that point i'm like like you're you're supposed to be the villain like fuck you yeah <laughs> they didn't want you uh I don't know. It like to me, it's kind of like uh, Flash and the the MCU Spider Man movies, just getting dunked on constantly. Mm. Uh, like I don't I don't know why, but it, it it gave me that same kind of feeling. Like yeah, whatever. He's an asshole. Yeah. Um, like I I couldn't take it seriously. Yeah, um, I mean it. The the movie was made. Because we're in the middle of the endless sequels and it's a known property that can make money. And even if it doesn't make a lot of money on the movie, they still knew that, you know, they could produce a ton of toys around it. And and the toys for this did sell, unlike the toys for their next Toy Story spinoff that we'll get to later. <laughs> oh, I know which one. Mm. We, we, we already mentioned it. So. Yeah. yeah we mentioned um, anyway, White, on, yeah. onward... Yeah. Onward for for the next thing on the list. Yeah. Um, which is also really good. Mm. Well, I mean, the the la- the second half is really good. Yeah, I mean, I really like First it. Half it is, is good. It takes a while to get going, but once it gets going, like it it is one that has like a heartfelt climax that you know really works. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to Coco for me, where you know it it, it looks nice. the The characters are fun, um, and then you know, in the in the last part of the story, they really just bring everything together for a, a big emotional climax, mm. and it 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 brings every element together, and you 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 know you walk away from it feeling really good about it. Um, yeah, because yeah, sum up of the. I mean, we haven't been like summing up every movie. I guess we're assuming people listening know more or less. Oh, we what we also about. skip Frozen too. Oh yeah, which is, again. Which is we'll get back to okay. To me. Put a pin in that. <laughs> we'll remember to go back to Frozen too. Um, okay, <laughs> quick summary of Onward because you know I have some thoughts. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, there. I can't remember the kids' names. There's um, there's Tom Holland and Chris Pratt doing a Jack Black impression. Um, Barley and yeah. uh, I forget yeah, yeah. Spider Man's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar- Barley's the older brother. Um, uh, shit. Okay, I'm gonna Google it. Um, I'm in the process. Let's see. Onward. Characters. Ian Lightfoot. Okay. Yep. Ian and Barley Lightfoot are brothers. Um, Ian is the younger nerdy brother. Uh, Barley is the older, uh, basically Jack Black, kind of outgoing, but also nerdy. He he is. He's nerdy in a more... He is a Jack Black character. Yeah. Yeah, Barley is a big dork who loves D&D. You know, this fantasy... So this fantasy world, it's basically like, what if the D&D world existed... But then technology progressed, and magic just kind of faded out of existence because, um, or not out of existence, but people people just stopped learning how to do magic because technology was more yeah. convenient. So now it's like a, a a more modern, mundane world where all these fantasy creatures exist, but you know they live in houses and they drive cars, and unicorns are feral and eat trash. Um, and yeah, so we've got the, these elf brothers, um, their father died when they were young. Their mother has moved on and is now dating a centaur cop. And, um, the brothers discover that their dad had dabbled in magic and came up with a spell that would let him return for a single day. And, um, they... Ian, the younger brother, goes to cast the spell, but the crystal breaks, and so he and his brother have to go find a new crystal within 24 hours to complete the spell so they can, you know, have this however much of a day they'll end up having with their dad. Uh, And that sets them off on a quest that is kind of a blend of like a D&D quest of we have to go to this place to go to this place to go to this place to find the thing. But also, it's, you know, mixed with modern, so, like, they go to Ye Olde Tavern, but it's, uh, like an Applebee's. It's a family chain restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a family chain restaurant. The Manticore, the fearsome beast who runs the tavern, is still alive because Manticore's lived for a long-ass time, but uh, she is just kind of a frazzled I, manager of a chain restaurant. I love the Manticore. She is my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Cause like as a, 
they they do like the perfect little you know manager of this stupid family chain restaurant yeah um and then she just goes completely unhinged she like burns it down yeah. after she realizes what she's become yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, later later on she teams up with the boy's mom yeah 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 because the mom is go, following them because they've run off to go find this gem to bring their dad back uh yeah and yeah and she ends up crossing paths with the manticore and and then the manticore is like yeah i told them about the the you know the directions and the prophecy and oops i forgot that there's also a curse and so they have to team up to go try to catch up to them to warn them about the the curse involved in getting this gem yeah and then like while the while the brothers are having a road trip with their half dad uh, oh yeah i forgot yeah because the, the the spell stopped halfway through so their dad's legs are have manifested, but yeah. and he can like kind of communicate through his legs, doing little taps and stuff. But uh, you know, his upper body is just like a stuffed vest, and you know, like, like sunglasses, and they dressed it up to look like a body, even though it is just his legs. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I mean, most of the movie is just, you know, your basic, uh, you know, like misadventures of on a road trip. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Yeah, traveling and like, like they argue, but you know, they're growing, uh, and like learning more about each other. It eventually comes out like Ian, the main character, the, the younger one has this checklist of all the things he wants to do with his dad that he's never been able to do because he never really knew his dad. Um, and it comes out that Barley... Like, Barley has a few memories of their dad because he was older. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was like three or four when he died. Yeah, but he has this one tragic memory of his dad was in the hospital and he was too scared to go see him and so he never got to say goodbye. Um, and... Which, which is... Very similar to another Chris Pratt Disney character. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So they eventually, like, they, they, they have all these, like, misadventures, side adventure, well, misadventures, I guess. Um, you know, they end up on the run from the cops because the, their cop, you know, soon to be stepfather, uh, is trying to bring them back. And, um, Mr. Horsecock. Yeah. And then, you know, th this is this whole like moment. Of, and also, um, Barley, because he's, you know, the big fantasy nerd, has, uh, like a beat up old van <laughs> that he's painted to look like a Pegasus. And, um, his name is Maybe Guinevere. Guinevere. Yeah. <laughs> that they, they're riding around on Guinevere, and he does, he ends up having to sacrifice Guinevere to, um, close the, the mountain trail that they're on by, like, you know, launching it yeah. into into a canyon it's it's his just a really good moment his his van is the gandalf of the story um it gets sacrificed um to stop to make a really huge rock fall yeah um so the bad guys can't get to the heroes and then it comes back later and better yeah yeah but it doesn't come back and save everything it comes back after the situation's resolved yeah but yeah, yeah. So they yes, yeah, so they're they're traveling and they they go through the dungeon that they you know with like the gelatinous cube that they 
alluded to potentially existing. And um, and the, the whole time Ian's slowly learning magic. Yeah. Yeah, he's been um, learning because he, all the ways to do spells and the types of spells he can do. Yeah. And it, it's it's interesting because Ian can do the magic, but Barley knows how the magic works, but he can't perform it. Yeah. Um, that, because he knows... He he knows the game, um, which is his, which is historical in this universe. Like it's not a fantasy; it's uh, like a historical epic. Yeah. Um. So like Barley's trying to teach Ian, and how good Ian is at something depends on how well they're communicating with with each other, basically. Yeah, and, and there's like some basic components of like you know believe in yourself and speak with confidence and thing so he's you know having to learn to be bolder and less timid um yeah and and then yeah so they, they get to the end of the quest and discover that oops they're right in front of the school back in town because uh the school was actually built on top of the grounds where the um the end of the quest was and the gem it turns out is actually hiding in the fountain that barley previously had tried to prevent the fountain getting torn down. Um, so he finds the gem in there, but then, oh no, the curse. And uh, the wall of the school turns into a rock dragon and starts attacking. And um, Yeah, and the, the, the mascot of the school is the dragons. So there's a there's like a big, dumb, green dragon face on this, uh, you know, cursed dragon made of concrete and rebar yeah. from the, the school building. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the mascot face. And, um, yeah. yeah, and then, so Ian gets the, the crystal and uses it to complete the ritual, but, um, you know, he, he has, well, before that, before he gets the crystal, he has like a sit, he has, you know, like a breakup moment with Barley where he blames him for dragging them on this whole pointless quest because they just got back into town. Um, and he has like a sit down by himself with, dad legs and uh realizes that daddy long legs yeah he he he's going through the checklist and realizing this is all stuff that he's done with barley throughout their life um that barley in a way is the dad that he never had because he's the big brother who's been looking out for him um and it's it, it's a just really touching moment um yeah it 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 works better than most of the you know big Pixar tearjerker revelations, um, I, I think anyway. Yeah, like they you know they they it, spent the whole it, movie building out this relationship, and then that's the moment where you get to see how much it has actually mattered. Yeah, and and that yeah, is it, like the turning point where he realizes I don't need to spend this last day with the dad I never knew. I should let Barley do that because he has goodbyes that he never got to say, and uh, and so and it is like just dramatically a really good choice. I think that we never actually hear yeah. the dad or see him up close. That Barley is off at a distance having this con final conversation with the dad, while Ian is fighting the dragon with his mom, who's you know got the the curse breaker sword from the Manticore. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, um, and and then yeah, then they get a new Guinevere, and everything's great. 
yeah, on onward is probably the best. The like the the last great movie mm. <laughs> of of the bunch, I would say. Yeah, I it's mean, kind of all downhill. Yeah, like, Elemental's all right. That, that's the one we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, or Wish, which is the last one. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen Wish. I haven't heard good things. Elemental. It doesn't entirely... Elemental, in some ways, has the Zootopia problem of you're doing a fantasy world, but also racism is a thing, and it doesn't really work yeah. quite right, but at least the heart of it isn't about fixing racism. It's it's just about, like, <laughs> you know, the younger generation trying to you know, find their own way as, as opposed to the way the older yeah. generation did things. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, so I I really like Onward. Um, I yeah. it's one of, one of the best of this era. Yeah, Soul. I I just don't really feel anything from it. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to say about it. Like I like I like the visuals. Um, they're weird and interesting. Yeah, it, it it's a very um, high concept pick. You know, kind of like Inside Out of like Pixar. You know, because Pixar started off as like movies that anthropomize or anthropomorphize things like toys and bugs and well, you know anthropomorphize yeah like the you know the, they're taking like let's take this thing and what if it had emotions and you know they, they do like more world building than um a lot of other cartoons will in trying to like you know uh, take on this concept um and like inside out did that even more with emotions, you know, t- taking something completely non-physical and making a physical reality for it. And Soul is, you know, trying to do that with um, the afterlife, basically, like, like a non-denominational, yeah. non-religious afterlife um, idea. It's basically just a bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, I it. I don't. I don't have much to say about Soul. Like it, it's interesting, but also boring. Like I don't know how they they balance those two. Uh, um, I guess it's interesting. Like, like in the, the, I guess the yeah the ideas are interesting, but the the actual like stuff happening on screen is boring. Yeah, like like the visuals and the world building, especially like of the afterlife stuff. It's interesting, and even you know, like the way they get into like jazz culture, like the, the, there's some stuff there, I guess. But um, you know, like the heart of the story of just like finding your passion in life, and then that will give you a mark on your soul. Um, just it, it feels like cutie marks from My Little Pony. It's like <laughs> yeah. You just you got to find your thing, your thing that you love, and then the the shocking revelation for our main character is realizing, oh, that's not a thing you're born with. You actually discover things that you like over time. Wow, who would have thought? Yeah, I I do like the the idea that like the thing you're good at isn't necessarily like the thing. It isn't like your your thing, quote unquote, your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of wild that it was a question all. to begin with. Yeah, like that's yeah. Uh, 
I'm okay not talking about Soul anymore. <laughs> yes, the main things I remember about Soul is that it came out on Christmas 2020 because everything was shut down, but they had this movie ready to go, and they're like, well, this isn't worth saving for theaters, let's just uh, give it as a gift to everybody. And so I watched it on Christmas Day 2020, and I thought that was okay. And, uh, and that was it. Yeah, it, it's it's not bad. There's just not that much to it. Yeah. Um, Luca. Luca. Luca's fun. Mm. I, I like it. Um, but, I mean, it, it's fun. I like it. But at the end of the day, it's just like a, like a, a nice little children's story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Like, it, it's. It doesn't feel like Pixar. It feels like an Ardman thing to me. Like partly because of yeah. the way the characters look, with like the rounded teeth and everything, but also it just being like it's just a little silly, like mild fantasy story um, about uh, some kids and like a coming of age thing. Yeah, it's these the- two fish boys, merfolk guys, who. Um, they're, they're like living in the Mediterranean by Italy and uh, they, you know, meet and become friends and share their dreams, like the dream of wanting to get a moped. And uh, and then they go into the city and have like, you know, little adventure things trying to uh, win a competition to get a moped, but also they have to keep it secret that they are fish boys because they will be hunted because this is a big fishing town. Yep. And then they they meet they meet a girl who tells them that they can get enough money to buy a, a shitty moped. Um, a, a, a shitty one, but one that works. Yeah, they just uh, have to win the big race they, against the yep. shitty bully kid. Yep, who is apparently like an adult. Yeah, <laughs> he he's like it, sixteen or seventeen. Um, but he he's well, he still when they when they're signing up, um, the 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 woman at the table is like, "How old are you?" And he says, "16." <laughs> and she says, for the third time, huh? Mm. And he says, well, this time it's true. So I take that to mean that he's actually an adult. Yeah, yeah he might be only nice. Racing against yeah. children. I mean, he's, yeah. he has this, like, a kind of teenage-looking, shitty mustache going on. Like, like yeah. hair has started to grow in on his face, and he doesn't want to shave it. Yeah. But also, it's not enough to really call it a mustache. It's just, like shitty it, hair on his face it, it's it, yeah it's bad peach fuzz but that that makes the catfish joke really funny mm. <laughs> like oh you're a catfish you're you're a bottom feeder with two little whiskers on your on your lip yeah uh, and and yeah so they they befriend the girl turns out her dad's a fisherman who hates sea monsters and wants to hunt them um, so they, they try as hard as they can to hide that they're, they keep calling themselves sea monsters, but that seems like derogatory. Mm. Um, cause like they call the humans land monsters, which makes more sense. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's all just translated out of Italian. So it's, 
not quite uh, lining up. Yeah. Um, it is funny yeah, I mean, that this movie is. It, it's, it's the director is Italian, and like you know, I think I don't if he was the only writer, but um, but also the like every most of the characters are played by people who aren't Italian. And they just do some like really stereotypical Italian pun, like Santa Mozzarella. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the, I don't know. It feels like the kind of joke that someone who's not Italian would make about Italian, but I guess it's just a, a self effacing uh, Italian director. Right. Who's okay with uh, I mean, if everyone praying to the if, saint of cheese. If you know any Italians, the one thing you'll find out is that. They won't shut the fuck up about <laughs> the fact that they're Italian. Mm. Uh, so I, I 100% buy that there's a little Italian girl out there who would exclaim Santa Mozzarella. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because that's just how fucking Italian she is. Yeah, yeah and then, what yeah, a, so they, nice they win the competition, and, but then they're revealed to be merfolk and then uh, but everyone's you know accepted them and loves them and and it's nice and uh, but then the the uh, main character one wanted to go off to school you you know human school um and the other one accepts that even though he, he was you know sad at the idea of losing his friend um accepts it and sells the moped to buy him train tickets to go to school and yeah yeah it's a it's a really sweet ending yeah it's Um, it's that kind of you know it's a coming of age story it's about growing up it's about making friends and then moving on from those friends because time passes and people move apart but you know they'll still send each other letters and stuff yeah it's it's nice it's a it's a good little kid story like it it doesn't need to be anything other than that yeah it's just really nice. Yeah. Um, the next one's not that nice. <laughs> Raya and the Last Raya, Jedi. Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raya uh, and the Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> Raya and the Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Raya... It feels like they tried to have something, but at this, like, they just too many of the characters are trying to be modern and hip and trendy, that it doesn't work. Yeah, I it, it and also it, it's just kind of it, your basic run of the mill, like the world is broken and we need to fix it. Fantasy story where they just yeah. the, the people making this movie loved every side character so much. Because the you know the, the, it's like here's this uh, you know kid who, who's like a salesman who's like fast talking and smarmy. Uh, we're gonna show you so much of him, uh, and then we but also we got this baby. It's just we got a funny baby and some funny animal sidekicks for the baby. We're gonna show you a bunch of them too. Uh, and then we got the, a ninja baby who's who's a little family with three ninja monkeys. Yeah. And then yeah, we got this big guy and he lost his kid and uh, we're, we're gonna spend a lot of time with him too. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, there's so much of the side characters and, and like Raya as a character doesn't really have a lot going on. It's just, you know, she's, 
she's generic fantasy protagonist number 5086 yeah and and like their whole theme of the movie that they scream in your face is that people just need to learn to trust each other um you know the, the reason all, there's all this conflict between all these different groups of people is they just can't learn to trust uh which you know for most of the movie is like trust is just betrayed is like you put your trust in someone and they stab you in the back until the end of the movie when like the whole world is on the line and now you need to trust your mortal enemy and you do and it works okay yeah sure um <laughs> it it yeah it, it it and it 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 doesn't work yeah and let's see okay so the, i guess this like it, it especially doesn't work because like they're they're completely surrounded like they're all gonna die either way so it's like oh do we do we trust this person and we have a two percent chance of getting out of this or do we not trust them and we all just die anyway mm. so like it 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 like, who cares if you trusted them when you didn't have any other choice? Your other choice was just all die there together. Yeah, and... Cause like, but it, it doesn't go as much as far in as Strange World. But it does feel like, this. you know, it, it's them trying to respond to, like, the the world, like, the current world. Like, uh, you know, the, the whole, like, yeah. you need to trust people who are different is, it's kind of a reaction to how how much of a schism there is in American politics between right wing and left wing. Um, and you know, you, you can just feel the writers on this are like struggling. Like how do we address this in a way that doesn't make anyone angry? Um, well, let's uh, just say (laughs) everybody just, it's like, it's the centrist response. It's everybody just needs to learn to get along and uh, trust each other and uh, have some empathy toward each other. And that will fix everything. Um, And it just rings hollow throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Also the, the dragon's just like a really fast talking comedic sidekick. Yeah. The, and she's not funny. Yeah, the Aquafina's <laughs> dragon would be the genie character if not for every other character also being modern and fast-talking uh, characters. At least the baby doesn't talk. Yeah. Ninja baby. Yeah, no, the, the baby's uh, just there for... Like, the baby and the animals are all the animal sidekicks. Yeah. Yeah, like, once again, like, the, the visuals are really good, nice, you know, Eastern uh, mythology-inspired. Yeah. But, like, it, it's, it comes down to the, the characters, and they're not very good. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and, yeah. And Kanto. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it. it's <laughs> most... It, it's mostly about the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is the best part of it. Yeah. I, I weirdly enough, I didn't like the opening song very much. Mm. I don't know the why. The exposition song? Maybe. The. Yeah, like everything oh, here's, is, everything cool is great, and everything is wonderful, and we have no problems going on here that will uh, be, be the you know, plot of the entire movie. Yeah, you know, it it actually made me feel a lot like the opening song from Moana, mm. where uh, 
It's like, which I mean, I I know why, but uh, it, it's it's just very what's the word transparent about yeah. all the information that's trying to you know exposit. Um, hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. It, it kind of. Well, rem- I, I know musicals do this, right? Hmm. But I, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of yeah, reminds me of. I think it was like the last. Was it the or no last episode of I think season three of My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic? Um, like half the episode is Twilight Sparkle singing a song about how everything in Ponyville is great and nothing ever goes wrong and then she runs into one of her friends and finds that something's going wrong and then she fixes it and um yeah, yeah. It, it it's you know that kind of like uh you know we're we're going to pretend optimism everything is great even though obviously it's not because there wouldn't be a movie if there wasn't um there's a movie with no conflict yeah yeah i i didn't like the opening song i like i i think all the rest like i can't think of them off the top of my head i watched the movie once but Mm. um i i think i liked all the other songs pretty well yeah i mean like the the songs that have gained the most popularity um we don't talk about bruno the character songs right Hmm? the with well, like, uh, yeah, the 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 Bruno song. Yeah, I mean, the, the we don't talk about Bruno. Has gotten like the most radio play, um, just from being like a good tune, I guess. Um, the uh, pressure song from uh, the Strong Sister. Yeah, is the the one that's really resonated with people the most. I think, uh, you know, as like a character conflict of person who f- is just feeling the weight of having to f- you know being expected to fix things all the time and it, you know is just jug like carrying so much trying trying to do so much and feels like it's too much but they have to do it because yeah. they're the one who's been told to do it yeah cuz yeah like the, all, all yeah. the family members have some kind of you know conflict that they've like repressed to you know, for the sake of the family and you know, keeping everything together for the family, um, but the ones that really like you know get get like highlighted the most, I think, aside from Bruno, who's you know just been uh, like shoved into the walls by this kind of shitty family. Um, yeah, the, the there's the strong sister who feels the pressure of um, you know having to keep keep fixing things all you know like carry the family on her shoulders pretty much and um and then there's the perfect sister who's you know like she she knows that she is you know a flawed person like everyone else but she's expected to present herself as perfect all the time and that causes a lot of anxiety yeah i i like their two songs the best honestly um like just because they're actual character songs that you know, like get into actual, actually how they feel. Yeah, well, yeah, they like they're, um, they're you know them and Mirabelle are like the characters who have arcs, whereas you know the yeah there's the one family member who the weather changes when she's having an emotion. There isn't really much to say about her. It, it just she's there. Yeah. 
I like Dolores. She's funny. Hmm. <laughs> the the one who can hear really well. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, the super gossip. Yeah, I I like. Uh, okay, so at you know about halfway through the movie, uh, Mirabelle, our main character, who doesn't have any family powers, hmm. um, she finds out that Bruno is a guy who can predict things. Um, and that he at some point predicted that she, Mirabelle, would like destroy the magic family house that gives them all their powers. Um, and and the only other person who knows is Dolores, the one who can hear really well. Mm. <laughs> so they all go to dinner, uh, and Mirabelle's just like staring her down. And she's staring back, and it's the funniest shit I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's my favorite part of the movie. So yeah, I don't, I don't have any like, you know, other big declarations to make. I just, I like that part. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the movie movie's fine. You know, some of the songs are really good. Uh, it's one that it, it mostly caught on because they released it on Disney. It, it, it got a theatrical release. It didn't really do that well. They put it on Disney Plus, and everyone who was still stuck at home because this was end of 2021, um, you know, things had started to reopen by then. But um, yeah, releasing it at home, it finally got people to watch it, and that's how it kind of became a sleeper hit. Yep, it was the biggest thing in the world for about a year. Hmm. Not quite as big as Frozen. Speaking of which, should we pull that pin out of Frozen 2 or just leave it hanging there? <laughs> I, I thought it was funny if we never mentioned it again. <laughs> I forgot about it until I remembered, oh yeah, what else was a big musical hit for Disney? Um, what else uh, was uh, mm. Um Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Frozen 2. Okay. I, I don't have much to say about it. Yeah. It's... Honestly, it's just like, it... They're trying to recapture the magic of Frozen 1. The songs are very similar to Frozen 1. Yeah, except um, less it, memorable. Although, they, I mean, they did... There was the whole boy band song that they, they at least had oh, some fun oh, yeah. with. That that one, like, 80s power ballad that Kristoff sings is yeah. easily the best the best song in the movie. It, it's, it's hilarious. Um, his... The, the reindeer are his uh, <laughs> his backup singers. Yeah. Uh, it's it's awesome. Um, I actually think Olaf is really funny in this movie. Mm. Yeah, he continues um, to be uh, uh, innocently existential. Yeah. See, like this is how you do a Toy Story. Like, although that was like his character from he, the beginning is right he, he's always had this like dark side that he doesn't realize he's dark right he doesn't know he's gonna die one day yeah. <laughs> and that's really funny yeah although like with the way this one starts reason. he doesn't even need an umbrella anymore because permafrost has made it so he is so cold that he can walk around in the sun and be fine 
And the only yeah. thing that does eventually kill him in this movie is that Elsa gets turned to ice, dies. and so the enchantment shuts off, and he turn he gets dusted. He doesn't feel so yeah. good, Miss Anna. <laughs> uh, and th- th- this is another this is another thing where the like the main plot is weirdly like socially relevant yeah um because it's basically like what hey what if your government did really bad things um how do you make amends yeah (laughs) yeah i realized when they showed the like i'd forgotten what the plot was aside from olaf dying that's the only thing i remembered uh and that the whole elsa arc never really went anywhere interesting um so but seeing that dam right at the start like Oh, that's going to get destroyed by the end, isn't it? Because for some any time a dam shows up in a movie, it gets destroyed by the end. And I can't think of any counterexamples unless it's just like a montage while someone's driving. Like if a dam shows up in a thing, it's either going to be threatened to be destroyed or it is going to be destroyed. Counterpoint. The Hoover Dam in National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. Okay, I haven't seen that. Uh, is it like a comedy scene if someone falls over the edge or something? Because I guess no, they, they, you could well, do kind comedy of. of someone goes over the waterfall it, kind of thing, but it, it's they're they're taking a tour of the dam, and uh, Chevy Chase's character, like the the stupid dad, um, does he break the dam? I think he does something. I, th- I think he does something, and there's like a hole in the thing. Okay, yeah, so he broke the dam. Oh, uh, and it's spitting out yeah. water. Well, yeah, dams exist to be yeah, broken fuck in me, movies. I guess. <laughs> fuck, fuck me, I guess. You, you are, <laughs> you know, contesting nature too hard, putting putting this wall up and trying to stop all this water. It won't work out for you. I mean, it's it's also very possible that um, I'm misremembering that movie. And that's like a Looney Tunes skit. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, I could see comedies finding other things to do with a dam than uh, blowing it up. Yeah, like in I at the start of Ice Age two when the dam breaks and there's a beaver that says "damn." <laughs> mm. Anyway, Frozen two is boring and kind of sucks, but not it doesn't suck. It's okay, just like every other sequel movie. Yeah, it just it didn't really do much. You know, th- this that painful subplot of Kristoff wants to propose to Anna but every time he tries something goes wrong and we're gonna do this for the entire movie and they give him they give him a best friend who um, who also talks to deer <laughs> right who also talks to the reindeer and they I, I'm pretty sure that was shipping bait like I can't think of any yeah. I can't think of any other reason why that character was well, there. They feel like a better fit for each other because it's like any time, you know, Kristoff goes to propose or something, like, Anna misunderstands and then gets huffy about it. And then he tries to explain himself in a way that's, you know, probably too uh, demeaning. Um, and, uh, and it just, yeah, they can't communicate. And that's, you know, that that's like the running joke of that plot, is that they yep. just fail to communicate at every turn. 
Yeah, some of these movies really suck when you have bad secondhand embarrassment. Mm. Um, speaking of which, do you mind moving on? Yeah, to the. I mean, <laughs> there, there's some very bad secondhand embarrassment for the first like 30 minutes of Turning Red, and then it, it surprisingly yeah. got better. You know, like this is the movie yeah. that I stopped like eight minutes in the first time I watched it, and have not gone back till now. Yeah, but I'm surprised to say it actually the, does work. Once you get the, past the beginning, the, is definitely the worst yeah. part. Like once you get past the the whole because it, it hinges on this like overbearing mother, um, controlling her child's life thing, um. Which, you know, you eventually find out there is a character reason for that. Her own childhood is kind of geared her toward being a control freak. Yeah. And it, it is fun in the climax so, that the daughter is, like, openly rebelling against her. There isn't, you know, the, like, yeah. mutual respect. Like, they, they, they find a mutual respect. But it's not, you know, the whole, like, heartfelt you know like i need to reach out to you and get you to accept me thing it's like no nah, just i'm gonna shake my furry butt in your face to piss you off because uh <laughs> i'm mad at you and you're mad at me and maybe that's just how it is uh, you're a giant monster i'm a, a big monster yeah. um well big cute monster because yeah. um, uh, okay uh basic premise like uh Main character, just like a, a regular um, Canadian girl in the early 2000s. Yeah, she's a tween girl, um, she's Chinese heritage, so, you know, she's got, like, cultural stuff from that. But she is a tween girl who's very much into this boy boy band uh, called, what's it, Four something? Four Town? They're called Four Town, and they have five members. <laughs> because fuck yeah. you. Because it's a boy band, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. She's she's yeah. And her and her three friends uh, are just super into it. Yeah, yeah. They they want to go to this concert. The mom won't let them. They have to raise money on their own. Also, the girl it turns out her all the women in her family, because of a thing that happened to their like ancient ancestor, um, can transform into giant red pandas. Uh, you know, it, it happens at puberty. Uh, it is absolutely a metaphor for puberty. Um, but it happens at puberty. They get their red panda powers and they can, uh, you know, use those powers to transform into a red panda to save people and stuff. But in modern world, yep. that is not a useful thing for them. So they've come up with a ritual to remove those powers. Um, so... Yeah, they want her to go through the ritual yeah, they, and they, they have her powers taken away. Yep. But so like all the all the older women in her family like show up and do like a a magic ritual to uh like take her panda spirit out and put it in like some kind of piece of jewelry. Yeah. But she's also been using the panda powers to raise money and gain popularity so she doesn't really want to give those up um also she wants to go to this concert and her mom doesn't want her to go so that just creates like layers of conflict between them that all culminates in her 
going panda mode and running off to the concert and her mom going kaiju panda mode and uh trampling the stadium (laughs) yeah the the climax like so on on the first you know third of the movie we were kind of just making fun of it like uh yeah i don't really want to be watching this early sometimes tween sometime yeah yeah then sometime in the middle, we're like, we, we, we both like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, once the focus becomes more on like her relationship with the friends and how much they care about each other, it becomes nice. Yeah, it's not just the antagonism yeah, of her and the mother, right? Um, which is something we've seen in Disney movies recently. Yeah, it, the plot is pretty similar to Brave, like a more modernized Brave. Actually, yeah. Where, you know, the um, curse is, you know, like the transformation happens with the daughter instead of the mother until it also happens with the mother. But. Yeah, it is a weird inverse of Brave. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you get to the climax where uh, she, she fails the ritual because she doesn't actually want to lose the Panta spirit because it's part of her. Um, she runs off to the concert. Um, so it's her and her three friends at the at the boy band concert. Um, her mom goes, gets really mad, goes kaiju, um, destroys the roof of the stadium, <laughs> and like uh, wants to pick her up and take her home uh, to to do the ritual. Mm. Um, and there's there's like a a really quick, like not super violent um, fight. Yeah. And they are on a timer for the ritual. At each it has other. to be done while the the red moon is there. Right. Otherwise, they have to wait for the next one. Right. Um, so they ha- they have a fight. It's basically just a shouting match with like um, superhero choreography mm-hmm. um, happening. Um, and then at at the end, like she she basically knocks her mom out. Um, and like all, all our family draw a big ritual circle so they can uh, take the panda spirit out of her so she'll be okay again. Um, and the the ritual works by the participants just singing, like what, singing something. Um, yeah, the, like they sing a traditional song because that's what the matriarch wants. But the priest is like, you can just sing anything. You can sing Celine Dion. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, what did he say? Uh, I don't remember. It was a, a yeah. semi-modern Tony okay, Bennett. Yeah, <laughs> Tony Bennett. Um, yeah, so like all the, all her all her family, uh, like they they break their panda jewelry and uh, like drag her mom's giant knocked out body into the circle and start singing. Uh, and then the the boy band on stage, like the the whole the whole stadium is wrecked, but the boy band yeah, is still on stage. stage. <laughs> they're professionals. <laughs> yeah. They're they stay. Yeah, they're they're they teenage boys, but they are professionals who will not abandon the stage yeah. even when a giant red panda smashes the roof and like rips their sign off the the stage and throws it on the ground. Yeah. 
So that they're singing, um, like the whole crowd is singing, and it it works. Uh, her mom turns back into human. Um, like they they have a little heart to heart in the spirit world. Yeah, she she sees the child um, version of her they, mother and realizes how much stress her mother's under from her own parentage yeah. and also like there's you know some like good visual storytelling of the grandmother. Yeah, well, she looks like very intense, and you know that's you know part of it is that she was a very intense person. But also, she's got like this scar on her eye, which you know it, it looks like a villain thing, but also you can kind of intuit like, oh, the daughter slash mother probably did that when she was a kid. Yeah, because they they say that her her panda is. Um, unusually intense, mm. and that's why she's she goes kaiju mode. Um, yeah, yeah. It seems like like the size so, of the panda scales to like the size of the emotions, and she gets so outraged yeah. that her panda becomes enormous. Yeah, and it, it's I I I took it to mean like she's crying because she hurt, she hurt her mom in like a a fit of. Yeah. You know, like teen rage, yeah, basically. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the implications. That as a kid, she went into panda mode and accidentally scratched her mom's face and left this permanent scar. Yeah. Um, and that's why she's, like, turned into, like, very reserved as an adult. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, it's a it's a nice touching moment at the end. Like, I... I, I freaking love the climax. Like, the, the whole... Like the the giant panda fight, um, the freaking boy band coming out mm. <laughs> uh, at the end when they're trying to turn the mom back, like it it's it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> like I I did not expect to like it, uh, but I did. Mm. And that's why you don't go and that's why you don't go into things like expecting to hate it because then you. Um, well, I should say you go into things with an open mind because you might, you might like mm. it. You know, yeah. I'm done with turning red. How about mm. you? So now on to uh, the two <sighs> stinkers we have to wrap this up with. So Lightyear, the Toy Story spinoff, Why? That produced a bunch of toys that nobody wanted, except for socks. Why? Socks is fun, but the rest of it is bad. Yeah, socks is cool. Yeah, it is just the the idea the, of doing a you know live action, not really you know animated still, but doing a a, a serious or a, a Buzz Lightyear movie that is you know just like a sci fi movie and not based on him being a toy. Uh, that that's not a bad idea. Doing it as a '90s thing also not a bad idea. But the tone, yeah, like it, you look at Buzz Lightyear. He's got a bubble helmet and white power armor with wings and brightly colored buttons and laser. He's got a laser wrist. He's got a karate chop action. Like, this is not a serious character. He should have been, like, and, and like Emperor Zerg. The whole, you know, the the purple robes, the, you know, like, the horns and everything. Like, he feels like a Ming the Merciless type. Uh, and this should have been, like, a Flash Gordon 
kind of movie. Yeah, it's it's Flash Gordon mixed with Star Wars yeah. a little. Yeah, just like a really campy sci-fi movie. Um, like if they'd done something like that, it would it would have worked great. It doesn't have to, you know. I think the cartoon that they try to ignore. Um, the cartoon, you know, had a pretty good tone. It, it knew what Buzz was and made it work. Um, they don't have to do that, but it should still be like a campy sci-fi adventure romp, not existential drama about a guy time traveling to the point that he becomes his own worst enemy. Yeah, he, the, the, the premise at the beginning is that he's on like an exploratory mission um with like a, a big like engineering vessel to i guess start a new space colony. yeah they want to colonize a planet but then they touch down on this planet find out that like the vegetation's hostile try to lift off but they can't because the vegetation's tangled up their their mothership so they set up base and um like they build this like long range uh experimental fighter that buzz ends up flying and it's uh it's, you know supposed to solve their problem somehow um it ends up sending him forward into the future where he he comes back and finds nothing's really progressed they're not planning to leave if anything they're planning on settling in and as he does more time jumps he finds that yeah you know everyone he's known has grown old and, and died and uh, the new commander has come up with this uh, laser shield, which they thought would be a really funny gag, because they keep referencing it. Um, he, he's got this laser shield that will protect the base, and so they don't have to worry about the vegetation, and they can just live here now. And and Buzz is like, he's all about, he's got to complete the mission. And the mission was to get off of this planet and go somewhere else. So he ends up like, meeting this like ragtag band of silly characters um yeah th this is like 80 years in the future at this yeah point, it's the granddaughter the of his best friend and commanding officer from back in his time and uh you know a, a couple cohorts the taika waititi and explosion grandma and uh and <laughs> yeah so he's got this and socks the, the robot yeah cat. socks the robot cat who he's had with him um the yeah they all uh you know try and, well they end up running into evil emperor zerg except you know they don't i don't think they even call him that and there's no galactic alliance in this so it's like no. as slavish the, as they are like, to buzz's like voice clip dialogue they completely ignore his backstory from the back of the package from the first movie like literally the only reason he's called Zerg is because the robots that he built can only say Zerg. Yeah, and if so you're watching with subtitles, the robots all go Buzzerg. Like they they put the B there. It's like B apostrophe Zerg. So he's not evil, he's not an emperor. Yeah. And he's not even really named Zerg. <laughs> yeah, it is uh yeah. He he ends up finding out that Zerg, this Zerg robot who's trying to capture him, or really, you know, like capture him, but also his spaceship, because his spaceship has this experimental fuel that uh, Zerg, it, who he finds out is a future version of himself who traveled even farther and ended up like splintering up 
timeline or something. Um, he, he traveled into the far future, found a spaceship with all these robots, took control of it, brought it back to the past, needs this experimental fuel to get a little bit farther in the past so that he can undo um, what he sees as his mistakes in uh, you know, getting them trapped here in the first place. And, um, and that will complete his mission that he's, he needs to complete. Uh, but then present day buzz, the one we've been following is like, but what if, you know, if we do that, then all these people that I've met here 80 years in the future won't exist. Um, and old buzz is like, uh, well, that's fine. I never knew them anyway. It would be like nothing ever happened. Um, and it's kind of that conflict that they resolved at the start of Avengers Endgame when they were like, yeah. well, we can't just time travel back and kill Thanos because if we do, then all the people who were born in the last five years will never exist. And so we need to use time travel to fix things in the present, not in the past. That That's actually what it felt like to me. It's like somebody was hung up on that plot point. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they made an made entire movie to... where this character and his foil will be the two sides of that conflict. And, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it just... It's the wrong type of story to tell with this character. Yeah. Like, it it should have just been, like, a dumb, fun action rock. Um, yeah. Like, and, even... I mean, that doesn't mean... You can't have like fun, like good, well written characters, right? Like because Incredibles exist, you can have like really fun action with, uh, you know, maybe not deep, but like you know, competent, well written characters. Mm. Yeah, because I was but gonna say, but I guess go I could. Way at all. I guess I could put it in the form of a question: If this movie did not star Buzz Lightyear, if it was some someone else who didn't have you know the colorful design or whatever do you think it would work because i don't think it i think it would just be kind of generic not as a disney movie yeah like if if this wasn't a disney movie if if the main character was not buzz lightyear um because i it you know it's got some fun side characters in it i think it would just be like an okay sci-fi movie yeah i mean if if it wasn't about buzz lightyear if if it was like a a genuine you know like PG thirteen R rated sci fi movie where they could actually go into the existential um, horror aspect of it, mm. I think it it could be interesting. Mm. But like no, as as a a, a kid's Bloods Lightyear movie, no, not at all. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's hard to know, but it'd be interesting if if this had not been a Buzz Lightyear movie and was just its own sci-fi story. How well that would work. Or if it would still also just when, be kind of boring. Also, when, when Buzz isn't in armor, the size of his head is really off-putting. Oh, yeah. He, he has an enormous chin. Yeah, like, it, it works in armor because... The bulk of his head fits the bulk of the armor, yeah. but when he's just in like sweat, sweats. <laughs> his body looks like he's 
you know, been like stuck in some kind of like cryo sleep and he just woke, I guess he, that he did just wake up, but he's yeah. like completely emaciated. He has no muscle mass on his arms at all. Yeah. It's like, it's like in army of darkness when <laughs> Ash gets pulled into the, the like tornado, the fake tornado book mm. and like his chin gets really stretched out <laughs> to be like two feet long. Mm. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of that's like your looks. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean the the side characters don't really have much to them either. Like explosion grandma is cool. Yeah, um, I mean yeah, they're gags. It's we got yeah. know, grandma who's an ex-con who's good with guns and explosions and stuff, and then we've got Taika Waititi doing a Taika Waititi comedy character. His. His only character trait is that he never does anything right. Mm. So that's fun. Yeah. Oh, and he has a pen. Isn't isn't that hilarious? He's got a pen, everybody. Mm. He's very excited about his pen. Yeah. What a, what a great gag. Yeah. I, I I didn't remember any of that. We just watched this a couple days ago. I just remembered. Yeah, yeah. it's a Taika Waititi character. He says silly things. Talks about, you know, God, the, the sandwich thing. It's like, well, I don't know. They, they really thought that was going to get big laughs. <laughs> like, yeah, so sandwiches funny. in the future, they're backwards. We've got uh, meat on the outside and bread on the inside. And if you had two slices of bread, that's too much bread. And we love the sticky fingers of, uh, you know, touching wet meat when we're eating sandwiches. I mean, that, that's another, like, Rick and Morty gag. It's, like, some stupid yeah. thing that they came up with, and they're just going to treat it like it's normal, and it's hilarious. And it just doesn't do much. Also, Especially with Chris the tone Evans, of the rest of this movie. Why is Chris Evans buzz like you? Uh, I mean, I would say... Because it, it's not necessarily them trying to avoid Tim Allen, because they've done two seasons of the Santa Clauses with Tim Allen. Yeah. So I guess maybe they just thought having a big celeb, you know, their big superhero celebrity guy be the the name on the call sheet would get butts in seats. I, I don't know. I get. I I mean, I found it just distracting. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, it should have been Chris I'm Pratt. But then they would have had it to add a scene of, uh, you know, Buzz not being able to see his dying parent in the hospital. Well, he didn't get to see his dying friend who grew old and died. Oh, very true. It should have been Chris Pratt. Yeah. Damn, Jade, you're, you're, you're very smart. I'm sorry I don't give you enough credit. Yeah, no, if it had been Chris Pratt, it would have made a billion dollars, like the Mario movie. That's why everybody saw it, because they wanted to see Chris Pratt. <laughs> Here we go. Wahoo. <laughs> I'm white. Well, I mean, that's Mario that's what he says, right? Yeah. That's what that's what Chris Pratt Mario says. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get on to an even worse movie. <laughs> it's strange. Maybe. 
Who am I to judge? Yeah. No good. You got the reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Strange World is fascinating to me because it feels like a lot of it should work on paper. And maybe that's kind of how they wrote it, is that there's a lot of this that should work yeah. on paper. But it's just missing something it, that makes it click. And I it think it's feels, just the characters. There's just nothing to them. It feels like a movie made by a corporation. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's like it, a corporation wrote up all the like a, a list of all the most progressive things that everyone asks to have in a movie. And they put in all those things, but they forgot to have, I don't know, like, characters that you care about. Yeah. So it's got, like, the most diversity and representation I've ever seen in a Disney movie. But, there's but who just, the fuck cares? Yeah, there's not enough heart to it to make any of it work. You, you have to make it good, or, or nobody will give it any credit. Yeah. But that's the thing that just keeps floating around my brain when I think about the movie is like, what specifically is this mis? Like, it's easy enough to say, oh, just make it good and it'd be good. But like, what what could they have done differently that would really make this click in the way it does? Um, I mean, you know, number uh, one, maybe, change the character design. Yeah, um, makes Searcher less of a whiny little shit. Um, yep. Make the son an actually interesting character. Mm. Um, like the the most interesting thing about him is that he's gay. <laughs> like I, that, yeah. That's... Well, yeah. It's like he's gay and he's representative of like the Zoomer generation type of you know reacting off yeah. of the previous generation trying to uh, you know. I mean, the whole thing is a it's a metaphor for climate change and the third generation approach is how do we live in harmony with nature now that we know fossil fuels will eventually wreck the planet yeah but also again the movie's bad so who gives a shit yeah yeah like, <laughs> I, and, and, like in, I say in some it's ways bad. It, there's there's good parts of it i mean like uh, it, i'm yeah, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, because with, with like, the tone and the characters and stuff, uh, it does feel like... So, it, you know, it's definitely it's inspired by, like, pulp adventure stories and, uh, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth, specifically. Uh, and it, it does feel like those kind of stories in the way that it's just a bunch of people reacting to weird stuff and adventure moments, but none of them are really interesting people but you know like they, they exist to react to the things that we're all seeing like uh oh yeah we're gonna travel into the planet we're gonna see all these weird creatures we're going to you know fly over the mountains and discover all kinds of cool stuff but 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 it, it doesn't really have a personality to any of the, you, the people you know what's the best scene in the movie it, it's the scene where uh, the mom lets the, the kid drive the, the airship. Hmm. Um, like, if if the whole movie had like half as much heart as that one scene, it would be pretty good. Um, because like it, they actually just sit down and have a heart to heart and talk about it. It's not 
I, I think that's the biggest problem is that nobody, like none of the main characters are likable. Yeah, um, like the the main three generation trio mostly represent like like their their generation and whatever ideal they're supposed to embody. And so when they're butting heads, it's just like philosophy talk. Yeah. It, they're all mad at each other over stupid fucking reasons. Mm. Uh, it, it's just none of it. None of it is fun. Like the only fun part is the environments with the weird blobby creatures. Yeah. Um. But like even, even when they're doing like pulpy adventure shit, um, like it's not. It's not fun because they don't shut the fuck up long enough for you to have fun. Mm. Uh, and like, I don't care about any of these characters as people, except maybe the mom. She's cool. Mm. I'd like to know what her deal is with flying. Um, also, I was wrong when she said I would fly through fire. <laughs> uh, mm. She never actually had to do that. Yeah. Like not not through not through literal fire. False foreshadowing. Yeah. I thought she would have to fly through literal fire to mm. save her family. Yeah. Um I call that a point against the movie though, because I'm gonna be petty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is weird that you'd set up something that direct and then Oh, it, it was just someone talking. It wasn't actually meant to set anything up. Yeah. Because at at the end of the day, now that that line was just her telling her character <laughs> to another character. Yeah. Like, this is who I am. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I might be being overly harsh, um, but I, I'm not entirely sure if I ever not. Hmm. Yeah. So how do you like the scene where uh, they're they're playing the card game, and uh, they're like, "No, there's no bad guys." And, uh, what do you mean there's no bad guys? That's just poor storytelling. I wanna I wanna shove that line up the writer's ass. Like that? No, that there's no adding to it. Like I'm not gonna go on some like stupid rage. It's not worth it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's just once again Disney contemplating Disney. Never works. Mm. Mm. Well, it doesn't matter how many heard... Disney princesses you throw in, or how many like fan criticisms you decide to to rebut. Like, just shut the fuck up and make good movies. Mm. Well, when we get to Wish, they have a villain apparently, but also his motivation is so basic that it it's just kind of boring. Whatever. I don't know. That's fine. I can handle that. Yeah, we'll we'll see which one we get to it. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard things about the villain in that one. Not that the villain's the point. The you know the point is just to just tell a story and not you know not have to have Hawkeye look at the camera and say this doesn't make <laughs> sense. I've I've yeah. got a bow and arrow and I'm fighting robots in the sky. Yeah, you know what? This like, is a Joss Whedon ass script. Yeah, it's like we we know it doesn't make sense. Just. Let it be. God. I, I... 
Mm. I guess it, it's a I, strange world. It's a Joss Whedon script minus the snark. There's not the snark yeah. or the quips or the sexism. It, <laughs> it it's 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 Joss Whedon via um, like the corporate storytelling. I'll I'll, I'll put it that way because mm. it 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 feels like all the you know, like, oh, we'll have a gay character. We'll have a, a story about, you know, oh, we're killing the world with our fuel source. We have to find another way. Like, it, it all feels Yeah, it's fabricated. It yeah, that, like, you know, environmentalist Fern Gully kind of story. Yeah, but like, it... Without it, any it doesn't like, feel like somebody wanted to make this again. Only this one isn't a sequel, so it doesn't even get that pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, there just aren't really like any like lively or memorable characters to it. No, to there's to pin the whole thing down or make it make any of it feel like it's worth watching. The my favorite part of the movie is when they they bring the little blue blob back to the ship. And one of the random side characters is like, "Ooh, you're so cute! I want to merchandise you." Uh, yeah. I mean, I well, guess like the closest thing they have to like a memorable, you know, lively character, the the uh, dad slash grandfather, uh, Jaeger Clade, because he is. I mean, he's yeah. not great, but he is like at least a little more bombastic than everyone else. Because he is just a, a, a big, dumb mustache guy who wants to burn yeah. things and punch things because that's his idea of exploring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he's an explorer in the way that... I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Um, he's an explorer in the way that like the Nazi villains in Indiana Jones movies are. Mm. <laughs> or like any any right really any villain <laughs> in an adventure story where they're just like where they, the the main character you know finds all these sneaky ways like the intended ways from that were built you know ten thousand years ago and then the bad guys just like blow a hole in the wall mm. and go in except the, like the, dad, in the grandpa is the bad guy like, yeah. Hey, look, exactly. I made a bridge. It only took uh, what <laughs> ten seconds. <laughs> exactly. And at that point, he was a bad guy. So yeah. Yeah. Movie sucks. I'm I'm done talking about it. Yeah. No, we've got a long episode this time because there were so many movies. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we just got <laughs> Elemental and then Wish whenever that comes out. But Tune I guess next week when we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, next time we'll have one new Disney movie, and I don't know. I mean, watching movies is fun. Yeah, as this this group thing has been fun, so I feel yeah. like we should have some kind of. Uh, are we, we going to do DreamWorks next? I don't know. You know, which streaming services you need to find the DreamWorks stuff, but Netflix has a lot of them. Mm, I would have to get Netflix. Um... Yeah. Although I mean, at least a lot of the early ones I have on disc. It's just like yeah. the last 
maybe decades worth of them that I probably don't have. I don't know if uh, Prince of Egypt is streaming anywhere. Oh, so we're going to um, go that far back. Oh, yeah. All the DreamWorks animated hmm. movies. I mean, because I've seen Prince of Egypt. I've never seen, like, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. I, I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. Mm. Kind of want to watch Sinbad. Mm. That was DreamWorks, right? Uh, probably. It has a, the look of a DreamWorks by memory. Yeah, I mean... That, that era of DreamWorks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're done. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so, yeah, so next time, definitely Elemental, maybe something else if we figured something else out by, by then, I guess. I mean, otherwise, I will have to talk... No, no. I was going to say, otherwise, I would have to talk about the new Magic the Gathering set, but that doesn't come out till February 3rd. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, wait it's day, two weeks. The day after Groundhog Day. Well, yeah, but, you know, because we're two weeks away. So, yeah, I might have. I, I might have gotten previous. Not that those... All that much to say about cards since you don't also play. So, but I, yeah. I was going to say we might also have watched Wish, but I'm not paying $15 to watch Wish. No. I guess I technically won't have this thing finished until like probably what, March or April when it comes on Disney Plus. Mm. Yep. But yeah, th th this is. Basically, the end, like, there's still elementals, or elemental, I forget. It's just elemental. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so it's been fun. Uh, yeah, yeah it, 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 it is mostly just fun, like, watching movies with people. I'm glad um, when people join in. I, my, my tiredness just all hit me at once and I apologize. Mm. Yeah. I need to get something <laughs> it's like to eat, I, so. I, I was ranting about strange world. And then when that, when that was over, like it just all hit me that like, damn, we've been talking for three hours. Mm. Um, so yeah, all right. this was fun until next time. Yep. Bye. Don't watch Strange World. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>